It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. The Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. The week's most interesting interviews with senators, commentators, and newsmakers. Giving you a replay just in case you missed it. The Guy Benson Show. And now as we kick off our final hour, not exactly happy hour content, as we will go now to Kiev, Ukraine, and Trey Yingst, Fox News foreign correspondent, who is covering everything happening in that country and some fairly significant developments in Russia today as well. Trey, it's good to have you back here. Uh, it's nice to be back. Right now in the Ukrainian capital of Kiev, there are air raid sirens sounding Every few days, the Russians decide to target the Ukrainian capital again, and these sirens warn people they need to get underground immediately to a safer location. And we can hear them in the background there. This comes on the heels of another Russian attack that killed dozens of civilians in Ukraine hours before these annexations that everyone's hearing about. Let's just start there. I know overall the path of this war, the arc of this conflict has been turning Ukraine's way. The Ukrainians have fought hard. They've gotten munitions and help and intelligence from the West, including, of course, the United States. The Russians have been routed and dismantled and dislodged from certain areas that they were occupying, but they are still maintaining control over certain parts of Ukraine. And some of these atrocities against Ukrainian civilians continue maybe not on a, on a daily basis but on a pretty frequent basis yes absolutely and in recent days the russians have ramped up attacks against civilians in the eastern part of this country this morning there was a missile attack against a humanitarian convoy that killed a reported 25 people and it was an attack conducted by the russians in a region that just a few hours later president putin in moscow claimed as his own and it just gives you a sense of how indiscriminate the firing is often and sometimes how discriminate it is because they will decide to target civilians. Other times they are recklessly firing artillery shells and missiles into civilian areas. But the reality is the war grinds on in the eastern part of this country. The Ukrainians are making some territorial gains, especially around the region of Kharkiv. But the war is far from over. And today was a significant day. NATO Secretary General Jens Stoltenberg described it as the most serious day since the start of this conflict when in Moscow, alongside the self-proclaimed leaders of these Ukrainian regions, President Putin announced that he was formally annexing this territory that belongs to Ukraine. What can you tell us about these sham referenda in some of these places? And we saw it in Crimea as well, right, where there's men with guns telling people to come in and vote whether or not they want to join Russia. And there's really no choice in the matter. And they get these huge margins of, oh, look, overwhelmingly, the people want to become Russian. They want to join Russia. There's no legitimacy to it whatsoever in the eyes of the world or anyone who's an independent thinker. But yet this is sort of the fig leaf, right, that the Russian regime and what Putin is trying to say uh, pretend that there's some sort of popular groundswell behind these annexations that he's now declared. Absolutely. The Russian leader is trying to make it seem as if there is more support for this invasion than there actually is. 
in many of these areas inside the Donbas region, this region of eastern Ukraine, civilians have been speaking out, asking questions about the motivations of Russia and asking why this all started to begin with. They were living quiet, peaceful lives in many areas before this began. So today, this announcement was made, but it has real concern for the international community because there is no legitimacy in this process. There are no election observers. There is credible evidence of people being brought to polling places at gunpoint. There is no accountability for this so-called election process. And so it really was a sham. It was just a charade so that Vladimir Putin could point to it as evidence that he made up to support the annexation of this area. And ultimately, it is something that will not be recognized even by Russia's closest allies, countries like Kazakhstan and Serbia, countries that have historically put out statements of support when Russian President Putin made a decision or, or took a significant action. They have said they will not be supporting this and they will not recognize these areas. And other countries that certainly are not agreeing with the West, such as China and such as North Korea, that in the past have issued similar statements of support to the Russian leader, have not come out. They have been totally silent on this issue. Yeah, it's like it, it's hard to overstate how illegitimate a process like this has to be for the North Koreans and the Chinese to be mum on it and not willing to go that far and playing along with what you have, I think, aptly described as a charade. And yet this is what the Russians have done. I saw there was a lot of extreme nationalist rhetoric playing out. They had a big rally. Putin gave a speech to, you know, loud, long ovations from his audience, a sort of echoes of the Soviet era. And they're at least trying to put on this defiant, bullying face, even though on the battlefield they've been losing. I'm just trying to figure out what exactly the goal is here with the juxtaposition of a lot of this saber-rattling and chest-thumping and triumphalism that they're trying to sell at home versus the actual results on the ground in Ukraine that have been so bad that you've seen huge numbers of their soldiers wiped out or wounded, and they've had to mobilize 300,000 people at least in this controversial move that has a fair amount of critics inside Russia starting to grumble louder and louder. It's just an odd split screen that they're trying to pull off here. Absolutely. And I think we have to look at the aspirations of Vladimir Putin on February 24th. The Russians believed this would be a three-day war. They believed that these tank columns could enter from the north and make their way down to the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. And they were mistaken. The Ukrainians were prepared in many areas. They were dug in. They had anti-tank missiles, these javelins that were supplied by the United States. They had foreign training, and they had a will to fight and defend their country. And that will has maintained throughout the conflict more than seven months. And so when you look at those aspirations, the Russians thought early on they could win this war. They could take significant Ukrainian territory and believed, according to reports, that in some areas they would actually be welcomed. Well, the opposite happened. You had civilians who were making Molotov cocktails in their living rooms. You had people defiantly standing in front of tanks to block them from going down the roads of their village. And 
So you, you take that and you look at what's happened now, the Ukrainians retaking around 17,000 square miles of territory from the Russians. Russians really not advancing on any of the front line. They're fighting a tough battle in the southern part around Kherson, a city in the south. But the reality is Russia is not, by military terms, winning this war. In some areas, it has turned into a war of attrition, and it is a stalemate, and the front line has not moved much. And in others, they have lost significant territory. So when you see Vladimir Putin today in Red Square in Moscow with all of the Russian flags waving and people chanting Russia, 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 this is all part of the charade. This is all part of an effort by the Russian leader to appease the people that we have seen in his country who are frustrated and upset about the decision that he made to invade. We've seen the protests in the streets of Moscow and St. Petersburg. We've seen the lines of cars leading to Georgia and to neighboring Finland. And it's only expected to get worse because with the exception of using another step in the escalation ladder, Vladimir Putin is stuck. He is so deep into this conflict that he has painted himself into a corner that he cannot get out of. And that is why the world is so concerned in watching this war so closely, because he has threatened to use nuclear weapons. And the Ukrainians, according to their intelligence office here in the capital of Kiev, they believe there is a high probability he will use a tactical nuclear weapon in eastern Ukraine. So the question is, how does the world prepare? What would the response be? And how does the international community keep this conflict from unraveling literally into a third world war. Yeah, it's one thing to sort of scoff and sneer, I would say correctly, at this brazen propaganda show that they're putting on. But if it's true that a desperate man, a borderline humiliated man, Vladimir Putin, might be seriously considering using tactical nukes, one or more, in Ukraine— and Ukrainian intelligence is assessing that that risk is higher than ever, that is by no means a laughing matter. And even if it doesn't actually help Russia at all toward any of their goals, that could result in significant loss of life in Ukraine, obviously, but perhaps beyond. And I just don't know what exactly the West is prepared to do should something like that happen. When you talk to Ukrainian officials— they really believe it's something that Putin might truly do as opposed to just a threat he's making to scare people? They do. And while we often talk about the possibility of nuclear warfare in a political sense and what world leaders would do and the decisions that they would make, the Ukrainians are trying to prepare from a military standpoint. Today they have asked for more air defense systems so they could shoot down missiles or, or more planes. They have asked for the ability to get more intelligence from the West to understand if the nuclear posture of the Russians has changed. We spoke earlier in the week to the Ukrainian internal affairs minister, Denis Monastersky, and he explained a variety of decisions that the Ukrainians have had to make and actions they've taken over the past several weeks. But he himself believes that this is a real threat and it has to be address. And you do raise a great point and a great question. What will the West do if a nuclear weapon is used? Because conventional thought would be to respond equally. But 
President Biden understands, his allies in Europe understand, that nuclear war cannot happen. It just simply cannot take place. And if it does, we will live in a very different world, a world that will be filled with more death and destruction. And it's something that the NATO Secretary General was trying to stress today, saying what officials have said since World War II, this cannot happen because it will lead to a world that no one is prepared to live in. Trey, the speech that Putin gave today, some longtime observers of his who have covered him for a long time, who speak fluent Russian, there were a whole series of threads on social media of people reacting, experts reacting to what he was saying. And they said this felt and sounded very different than some of the other and previous Jeremiads that he's launched against the West. They were arguing that this was less even about Ukraine or about NATO expansion. Those are sort of almost tertiary or ancillary issues. This was him squarely inveighing with unusual venom against the West and specifically the United States. And I wonder what significance that might have and how that's being received in Kyiv. I think that when the world watched Vladimir Putin's speech today, it was yet another reminder that he isn't bluffing. And when he says he isn't bluffing, the world should take him seriously. No one thought in the year 2022 that the Russians would launch a ground invasion into neighboring Ukraine, the largest ground invasion since World War II, but it happened. We were here in the capital of Kyiv as the air raid sirens were sounding and the Russians were firing missiles into the city. And the reality is this is someone who really risks losing his power, his authority, and it is something that has to be taken seriously because the Ukrainians understand the perspective of, of, of most people that you talk to that this is someone who will violate human rights. This is someone who will violate international law. They have seen it with their own eyes. They don't have to rely on— No, he'll do it eagerly, right, with impunity. Yeah. He's done it many times before. He has no compunction about that at all. Absolutely. And there's evidence of war crimes in front of the Ukrainian people. They've dug up their fellow civilians, and they've looked at the hands tied behind the backs of Ukrainian men, women, and children. They had to exhume the graves of those who had been executed by Russian forces. They understand that this is not this uh, optimistic world that maybe some thought after the world wars. This is a world where there are still dictators and there are still authoritarian leaders like Vladimir Putin who will do anything to stay in power and anything to win. And that is the major concern right now that many who, who look at the actions of, of Russian President Putin realize that he isn't bluffing. And if he is painted into a corner and he can't get out of that corner, he may resort to using nuclear weapons. Yeah, he's not just a thug who's vicious. He also has a nuclear arsenal, which makes it more chilling and more concerning. And I know most Americans are focused on other issues right now, including the hurricane down in Florida and now on the East Coast. And that's understandable. But this story has not stopped. It hasn't gone away. And it could get a lot more dangerous, which is why we want to keep covering it here. And we're very grateful for the information and contributions from our colleague, Trey Yingst, Fox News foreign correspondent who's on the ground in Kyiv, Ukraine. Trey, thank you very much. And please stay safe. Thank you. We'll take a break and we'll come back. It is The Guy Benson Show. Stay tuned. 
That was this week's edition of the Guy Benson Show Sunday Replay. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. The Fox News Rundown, a contrast of perspectives you won't hear anywhere else. Your daily dose of news, twice a day. Featuring insight from top newsmakers, reporters, and Fox News contributors. Listen and subscribe now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.